powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hello, little woman. Hello, little woman fans. Welcome to the Little Woman podcast, the official gathering place of the Little Woman Canon fans. Today's comment shout-out goes to Sheet Metal Memories. Quote, Joe and Mr. Bear don't get into an argument over the sensational stories Joe had been writing. I had forgotten. The book only had Mr. Bear talking about it impersonality and Joe's conscience getting stricken all on its own. They don't even discuss it. Hardly. Both the 1994 and 2019 movies would lead you to believe Joe still has her quick temper and that both her and Mr. Bear are capable of having a tremendous fight. But oh, not at all. In the book, Joe matured magnificently and has learned to keep her temper in check. Character development and Joe and Mr. Bear are shown to be able to get along without arguing. How fabulous. End quote. I have been saying this for ages. Joe and Friedrich don't argue in the book, but for some reason they argue in the movies. And the movies erase Loris and Joe's arguments that are in the books. It is really messed up. In 1994 film, Joe does realize that Friedrich's feedback is totally legit, and he inspires her to write a book that comes from her heart, which is way better than in the 2019 film. In the novel, the real conflict is not between Joe and Friedrich, it is between Joe and her editors. And these next two episodes will be handling Joe's journey. My guest is a star, and she is doing a research on a concept called Herein's Journey. Herein's Journey is similar concept to Hero's Journey. For those of you who are not familiar with Hero's Journey, it is a concept that was developed by a folklorist called Joseph Campbell. We can see Hero's Journey still today in books and in pop culture. For example, if we think about the individual journeys of Frodo in Lord of the Rings, Harry in Harry Potter, and even Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, all of these storylines follow the narrative pattern known as Hero's Journey. All of these characters, Frodo, Harry and Luke, of course they are all men. So I was really excited when Star told me about her research about the hearing's journey and how we can find the female version of this concept from books such as Little Woman and Anne of Green Gables. I also realized that a huge part of the discussions between me and my guests in this podcast is about the hearing's journey. And we often talk about the way the society and cultural critics of Little Woman and even filmmakers of today, they actively minimize the hearing's journey. If you think about that quote from the beginning, 
a lot of people say that, oh, Friedrich is the one who minimizes Joe's writing, which is inaccurate. He is the one who encourages Joe to write what Joe wants in the book. So these people who say this, they either intentionally or unintentionally minimize Joe's own desires and what her goals are as a writer, because the things that the editor has ordered Joe to write is something that Joe in the book calls trash. It is the same with people who say that Joe was forced to start a school. Once again, it is the opposite. In the book, the school is Joe's idea, and in her diaries, Louisa May Alcott wrote that as a young woman, she wanted to start a school for boys. Yet we have so many schoolers and academics and people like Greta Gerwig who completely demonize the fact that Joe wants to start a school or that Joe wants to get married and start a family. Once again, these are things that Louisa May Alcott wanted herself, but a very large part of our society hates that Joe's journey follows the heroine's journey. Maybe it's time to revamp our attitudes towards the heroine's journey. And another aspect of this conversation will be Anne of Green Gables. I know a lot of my listeners are big fans of Anne of Green Gables books as well. A lot of times people see Anne in Joe and Joe in Anne and or Gilbert in Laurie. This is also something that Star and I will be discussing. The similarities and differences between Anne of Green Gables and Little Woman and some of the other Lucy Maud Montgomery's books as well. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. It is going to be a good one. If you are on Instagram, you can follow me at Podcasting Little Woman. And if you want to get notified on new episodes, head over to substack.com slash littlewomanpodcast and join the newsletter. And you can get Amy March's Defense Squad and under the umbrella mugs and stickers and posters at society6.com slash littlewomanpodcast. This is Little Woman Podcast, Herein's Journey Through, Joe March and Anne Shirley. Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, so Hearing's Journey is a female version of that. Would you tell a little bit more about what is the Hearing's Journey? So essentially, it's quite similar in that it's this um, cyclical narrative of the heroes, like similar to the Hero's Journey. However, it was written by a woman named Maureen Murdoch. And she actually wrote it because of something Campbell said to her. She asked him about his views on women going through the hero's journey. And he responded that women don't need to make the journey. 
and this is a quote from Campbell himself. It says, in the whole mythological tradition, the woman is there. All she has to do is to realise that she's the place that people are trying to get to. So essentially, in Campbell's worldview, women are defined purely as the prize or the seductress, and they are only a part of the journey that the hero makes. And Murdoch didn't agree with this, and she was working with women as a women's therapist at the time, and she was seeing how a lot of these women had very similar experiences, and they were going through these very similar life stages, and she researched mythology and religions, and she could see those similar stages. You know, the same way Campbell formed the hero's journey or learned about the hero's journey, she discovered the heroine's journey. And so it's very similar in that the first few stages are quite similar. So it starts off with the hero or the heroine setting out into the world and separating themselves from their family. But the end conclusion is very different in that by the end of the hero's journey, the hero has found their place in the world. And by the end of the heroine's journey, she has decided to uproot society and redefine the world. She has made a place in a new world, essentially. So the difference between the two, it's in the main character, in the protagonist's response to society and the trials that they are faced with. And um, it's important to note that, and I think Joe March is a brilliant example of this. I agree. When I was doing this research for our interview, I did went to read about heroine's journey. And a lot of that is something that I think will fit into Joe's arc. But we will get into that later. Now, that's interesting when you talked about hero's journey, how the hero kind of finds his place in the society in the end. That is very similar to Laurie's arc in Little Woman. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I think if you were to tell the story from his perspective, you would see him become satisfied with his place in the world, which is quite the opposite of Joe. So Laurie, he wants to be this rebel. He wants to be, you know, this musician. He wants to veer away from the life that his grandfather wants for him but in the end he comes to the conclusion that he would rather settle for that life that he doesn't have what it takes to be a musician which I find really interesting actually that he allows himself to just be satisfied my brother-in-law died suddenly and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. 
Full details on example policies at selectquo.com slash commercials. I like that. It's interesting how Laurie is very easily satisfied, whereas Joe always seems to be, she always wants to push herself and she wants to move on to the next thing, which I think is another sign of how they're incompatible. Laurie is like the biggest procrastinator in Little Woman, which is not something that you see in the adaptations, which is a bit of a shame, but it explains how he decides not to pursue the life of a violinist, musician, Mm -hmm. because he, he realizes that he does not have the genius, that's how they call it in Little Woman, and Amy comes to the same conclusion, but I think... With Amy, it is a lot more nuanced because Amy manages to find a way to practice her art. Yes, definitely. And in some ways, Laurie does that too, but he does not have that pressure of being a genius, same way as Joe yeah. has. So that's really interesting bit about Joseph Campbell. I um, I studied folklore in the university some years ago, so I quite familiar with his work. I'm not that surprised about his quotes because he was born in that time, like in the beginning of yeah, 21st so century. It, I mean, it's not that surprising. You know, it was a pretty common thing, <laughs> a common view about women at the time. You even see that in a lot of today's media when we do have a female protagonist and, you know, maybe she's not particularly well developed because I don't think any character is perfectly developed at the start of the story. That's the point. They're supposed to become developed throughout the story. When it's the main character, when the main character is a woman, that's when there's a very big issue because if you have a look at like the most recent big blockbuster main characters, you know, only a few are leading female superheroes. You know, people like Ray from Star Wars and um, Captain, yeah, Cap- Captain Marvel, you know, Black Widow. And all of these characters, you know, we see a lot of female representation on the screen, but we don't see a lot of female stories. And I think that's really important to note. You know, we have these side characters as women, but as soon as we see them come in, to their own movies, their own stories, there's a lot of backlash to it. And I think it's because even now, even today, we tend to demonize women's stories. I think there's this very strong habit um, in popular culture of just, unless it's like this perfectly complex, nuanced story, we don't want to see those stories. When I think every sort of story is important, and I think Little Women is a very big part of that because you have all four girls and all their stories are important and unfortunately I don't think we see that in any of the adaptations either. Yes I I agree and I also think that there's a lot of demonizing of femininity in the media because if you think about these characters like Ray or Joe when they have these feminine qualities they are not embraced. Besides Little Woman you have also studied and of Green Gables as part of Heroine's Journey. And this is something yes. that I did want to talk with you. I think most of our listeners know about Anne of Green Gables, but maybe there is a person that uh, does not. Would you like to t- 
talk a little bit about what is Anne of Green Gables and why Anne of Green Gables matters. Anne of Green Gables, for anyone who doesn't know, is about is this story about a little orphan girl, and um, she is adopted by a brother and sister who run a farm. So Marilla and Matthew, they adopt Anne, and initially they don't want to adopt her because she's a girl and they were expecting a boy they wanted to have a boy to help them in the farm work but she kind of enchants them so much that they welcome her into their home and I think the reason Anne of Green Gables is a very important story is because it's not what we would perceive to be groundbreaking today it's very much more subtle in comparison to Little Women but I think there is I think it's very subversive in its in its romanticization and 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 its appreciation of femininity and the struggles of being a woman. I think actually that's a running theme throughout all of uh, Lauren Montgomery's work. Who is the author? Uh, sorry, no, not Lauren Montgomery. Um, L. M. Montgomery. Sorry, I was thinking of someone else. Um, I think that's a running theme throughout all of her work because she has several. You know, she wrote a ton of books. She wrote that Anne of Green Gables series, which is a series of eight books, and then she wrote the Emily um, Emily Star series, which is three books. Emily um, of the wrote, New Moon. Yes, Emily of New Moon, and she wrote um, Jane of Lantern Hill. And so far, those are the only books I've read from her. But in each of them, I saw that she has this appreciation and this. She, she really uplifts and upholds feminine what what society deems as feminine values you know generosity kindness art and beauty she really emphasizes the importance of these things and i think it's really significant as well that and she's never really belittled for her beliefs and her love of femininity throughout the series and i also think that she is also very masculine in some ways she's competitive she's bold she's brash she's angry but she is also extremely feminine and neither of them cancel out the other characteristic and i also think Anne's love story is extremely important too because it's such an equal and loving partnership and that's ex- incredibly subversive for the time period that it was written in Lucy Maud Montgomery, she was also a big fan of Little Woman and um, Louisa May Alcott, which is something that you can see in her writings. Yes, yeah, I've often, I think I read Little Women first when I was very young, and then when I was about 15 or 16, I think it was a few years after I'd read it, I found the Emily of New Moon series, and I think I remember reading it and just sort of seeing how similar Emily and Joe were, you know, both these very bold, passionate writers and very ambitious. And even Anne is like that as well. There's this point in, I think, Anne of uh, Avonlea where she wants to write stories and she writes a story and sends it off to a magazine and she keeps getting rejected. And I saw how similar Joe and Anne were just dealing with that, um, dealing with putting their art out into the world and I found it really interesting. I, I only learned that she, that Lucy Maud Montgomery was a Little Women fan 
recently though I only learned that recently but it makes sense to me because you can definitely see the inspiration in her work A Little Woman was published in 1860s and Anne of Green Gables I believe in the end of the 19th century yeah yes so there wasn't that big time limit between the two books when they appeared and Anne of Green Gables it's like a huge Canadian classic that mm-hmm. people love and it has been adapted almost as many times as Little Woman and this is also why a lot of people sort of connect the two books together not just because Joe and Anne both like writing and they have temper uh, well the biggest difference between the two is probably that Anne is a lot more feminine than Joe, and she's yeah. not as angry <laughs> but definitely a lot of people see the two books sort of being part of the same universe maybe because they have this strong female heroine in them yeah I would say so I think possibly another big difference is the fact that I think Anne is a bit more popular because she marries someone is like young and more conventionally attractive I suppose or like more of the ideal love interest whereas Joe's choice is much it's much more unique and I think it's also quite it's possibly something more relatable for women now you know because I think a lot of women have their own idea of you know what's attractive in a partner but I think If you were to compare the two, I think Anne's probably adapted more because she has that more conventional love interest for the screen. That might be true. And I always thought that Gilbert was somewhat a mixture between Laurie and Frederick because he's kind of described to be this prankster like Laurie, but he never does anything offensive like Laurie does. Maybe they're like the carrot thing, but like that's... (laughs) the only part he loves kids he loves school he loves academics which is uh, like a Friedrich thing to do that's something that Laurie kind of hates <laughs> I found an essay for my um, coursework for my studies when I was researching and it was an essay talking about how Anne and Gilbert kind of have this ideal relationship it's like the perfect fantasy of a rivals to lovers idea sort of dynamic Embrace the tranquility of Ocean Isle Beach. As the crowds ebb away, the true essence of this coastal haven comes alive. Stroll along the quiet shoreline, collect seashells with loved ones, and savor the calm that only the off-season can bring. Discover cozy cafes, enjoy unhurried walks, and relish the beauty of nature's canvas. Ocean Isle Beach, where serenity and connection flourish. Your stay awaits at OceanIsleStyle.com. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. I'm just quickly looking for it now because I've given This is an essay titled A Girl's Reading by Tema F. Berg. And she's kind of analyzing Anne of Green Gables from a very feminine perspective through like the female gaze ideas and um, from 
a perspective of feminine values and how she's portrayed it. And this is from a essay collection called Such a Simple Little Tale by Mavis Rima. I really enjoyed this essay because it supported a lot of my ideas about how Anne of Green Gables is heroine's journey. And she states uh, regarding Gilbert. So I've often seen how Gilbert and Anne are kind of the perfect love story because he's not just conventionally attractive, but he is her equal in a lot of ways. He's her academic equal and he's her rival. However, he is also incredibly caring towards her and he understands her. So I think a very key moment in Anne of Green Gables is when, towards the end, after Matthew has died, sorry, spoilers for anyone who hasn't read Anne of Green Gables, yeah, towards the end of the book, after he's died and they need to sell the farm, Anne gives up her place at college so that they can keep the farm. And Gilbert's the only one who really learns and respects, who, who learns about her decision and really respects and admires her for it. I think this is really important because even though he knows how much she values academics, he doesn't think any lesser of her for giving up her chance because it's this moment where he understands her value, the value she places on family. He supports her by giving up his own teaching position and help her, you know, he gives up his teaching position at the local school so that she can get it instead. I think this is a really important part of the story because it's not just about supporting each other intellectually, but they support each other morally, which is very similar to Joe and Friedrich. That is such an important part of both relationships that they share the same morals. Yes, absolutely. I did mention you that I had these two clips from uh, 1933 Little Woman when Laurie proposes Joe and then mm-hmm. the Sullivan Entertainment and of Green Gables from the 1980s which is the version that I grew up with and I can't remember who it was but someone on Tumble pointed out to me that the dialogue is almost exactly the same in the in the 1980s and of Green Gables than it is in this 1930s Little Woman so maybe I, I could play these two clips and, yeah, yes, and think about this. I believe that Kevin Sullivan, who wrote this Anne of Green Gables series, was very much influenced by Little Woman. I actually have Gilbert's actual book proposal somewhere here in my laptop. It's pretty different than in the adaptation. So I think a lot of people kind of unconsciously make the comparison between Laurie and Gilbert because of these two. It's actually pretty interesting. I think that's kind of an inaccurate comparison because Gilbert does get rejected by Anne the first time he proposes and he accepts that rejection straight away. Yes, in the book. So was it so that you hadn't seen the 1980s adaptation? Um, Yeah, I've never... I've never actually gotten a chance to watch it. My mother has. She really enjoys it. Yeah, I grew up watching it and I loved it so much. Definitely this part is something that I am a bit annoyed now as an adult. But 
that's why we have this podcast where we can discuss all these things. So I will start with the 1933 little woman. this this proposal scene it's actually very close to the book i think this is probably the yeah. closest from all the adaptations i've only watched the 90s one and the recent 2019 one. Oh, and the um the modern retelling one um yes the 2018. 2018 
one. Yeah. Um, but I think this one does sound like it's the most accurate to the book, actually. Um, it's like they're quoting lines straight from the book. It's, it's less rash and, yes. and conflicting than the book, though. It's portrayed as quite romantic, it seems. Yeah, it is not supposed to be romantic in the book. And it's interesting because in this version, you know, it kind of starts quite romantic. And then with the music and the things he says, they become sort of more and more disturbing. And you start to feel a bit uncomfortable by the things he says. And, you know, in the end, he's like, I'm going to do that devil. And then he says yeah. things like, yeah. you you can change me. I, I'll do anything you like. And then he's like, oh, you will marry some idiot. <laughs> Even though they don't actually quote the book's lines well. I think the 1994 version was best because it captured the atmosphere of how disturbing and upsetting the scene was. So even though the lines weren't the same, I think they really understood that it was a very forceful moment and it was a very upsetting moment for Joe. you know, him forcing herself on her. He's bit obsessed in that film like he, the yeah, way he and I think speaks to Joe very purposeful it feels very purposeful the way they make him very disturbing and quite creepy honestly you know <laughs> there's this scene where he's with Amy and he's saying you know, he always knew it was his destiny to marry one of the March sisters and I think the only reason why that adaptation isn't more well received is because they don't really develop Amy and Laurie's love story enough. Like, they show him being creepy and quite disturbing, and they don't really show him growing from that, which is which is kind of annoying, you know, because I really feel like they got the portrayal of who Laurie was right in the adaptation. They showed how he was kind of entitled and selfish, but, you know, unfortunately. And I think the new film suffers from they don't show how he's entitled and selfish enough and they still don't really show enough of his development with Amy they don't show him struggling to become a musician and eventually abandoning it they don't show him trying to be worthy of Amy it's just really a repeat of his proposal to Joe. I agree and I think Reda Gerwig said that she wants Laurie to be surprised that the girls fight over and like you completely missed the whole point of his character but I'm afraid in a lot of adaptations that is the way Laurie is received and it is so completely inaccurate. I did find the passage that I was looking for so I just had to skim through the book but um, the point that was being made by the essayist in A Girl's Reading is in the book Anne's interest in Gilbert is never a matter of sexual rivalry. Once she forgives him for teasing her about her red hair, and it takes her long enough to do that, she seeks his friendship because he stimulates her intellectually. So the important part is that foundation of friendship, which I think is the foundation for any good relationship, you know, romantic or otherwise. I think you need that foundation of um, a meeting of minds, even if you're not necessarily alike, you know. And I do think Gilbert and Anne are very, they're very unlike each other. You know, Gilbert becomes a doctor. He is quite cool and logical, and Anne is very, very um, emotional and flighty. 
But I think the very important part of the book series is that neither of their characteristics are ever put down as something bad. You know, Gilbert's detachment, his logic, his his scientific mind is never raised above Anne's feelings and her emotional feelings. And if anything, the main message of Lucy Maud Montgomery's work is that you know, the emotions and the feelings Anne feels and her love of beauty and the world around her and art, it's just as important as that of, you know, cold, hard logic and science. I think Anne and Gilbert kind of, they kind of capture that partnership between art and science perfectly, between, you know, beauty and intellect perfectly. I recently read Anne's House of Dreams. It has the storyline of this man who has these mental issues because he was in an accident. And then in his previous life, this man, who is actually not this person, they are actually twins, but we don't know what happened to the other twin. Throughout the story, they believe that this person is this person who is not this person. I can't explain. But anyway... Gilbert wants to do an operation operation on yeah. him so he can have his memory back. And yeah. Anne is like, no, you cannot do that because before this man was in this accident, he was an abuser and hurt his wife and etc. And Anne does not want this person back to their lives. So they have this argument Gilbert being very rational with his reasonings and Anne also having a good point, not wanting this person to become what they used to be. So I think that really describes their relationship very well. The other one being very rational and the other one being very emotional. Yeah, and I think a lot of people might take that particular debate as an example of some Possibly some, I guess, misogyny. And there is definitely this element, this kind of arrogance Gilbert has to him. Like, I I was right, da-da-da, you know. I'm, I'm being logical about this. But in the end, Anne is right too. She is right about the impact it would have on her friend if her husband were to get his memories back. So I think the fact that they leave it up to his... the wife to decide yes is a very important part of that story gilbert doesn't just come in and do what he likes it's not his choice ultimately it's this woman's choice and she willingly chooses that risk of possibly inflicting more pain on herself because in the end it's about not just logic it's about the morality of the act it's about returning someone's agency to them and returning their memories and their character to them and so i think gilbert's argument isn't necessarily right either in that it's the logical thing to do you know i'm a doctor this is my job i have to do it morally speaking i think the point is the moral of it it's one life against the next you know it's the wife's life against the husband's life and you know it's Anne and Gilbert taking sides but ultimately Anne can't decide for her friend it's not her decision and I think that's the important takeaway from that story 
as much as Gilbert thinks it's the right thing to do, it's still not his place to decide. Yes, and I think Gilbert even says that he's going to ask Leslie what she thinks about it. Yeah, he couldn't actually do anything about it. He had to ask her permission as the person who is the guardian and also the person who would be potentially suffering from the consequences of this. And I think this is actually a very common decision that a lot of women have to make in today's world. And I know personally I've had to weigh up certain decisions where, you know, I've been in a tricky position and I've had to decide whether... I have to whether I'm going to do the right thing even if it causes more pain for me I think that's a big decision a lot of women have to face be it in the context of you know work of sexual harassment you know of making the choice to come out and talk about being assaulted knowing that there could be consequences knowing that there could be backlash I think it's a very relatable story even today especially today because we are still in a place where we're stuck in this grey area where we are stuck in those difficult positions where we are put in positions where we have to sacrifice ourselves a bit to make the right choice and I think it's one of the better storylines in the series as a whole because it's so it's coming from such a, a, a very real place Yes, it is very powerful storyline and now that you talked about Gilbert being this rational person I think Leslie Moore who is this wife of this abuse abuser man I think she's a lot like Gilbert that she is very rational and sort of analytical person and that's why she also needs Anne because she brings this enlightenment to her life yeah there's this I think Leslie is an interesting character because she has relied on her detachment and her logic and her reasoning to survive as far as she does but bringing Anne into her life it sort of brightens it and I think it kind of shows how a life just built on logic and reasoning doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily the most fulfilling life and I think that's what Anne does she kind of comes in and she brightens everybody's lives just like with her adoptive parents with Matthew and Marilla she brightens their lives she shows them that there's more to life than just existing there's living there's experiencing things Anne is very positive and uplighting person but she also has her moments she's not always yeah. like that but most of the time chooses the sunny side of things and I think that's why a lot of people like her I think it's not even necessarily the sunny side of things, but it's she's very realistic. And I say that in the sense of the experiences she describes are universal for girls. You know, that desire to have a dress with puffed sleeves or, you know, that mm, desire yeah. to have this outfit that fits your identity of yourself. It doesn't necessarily need to be about the puffed sleeves or femininity, but it's that you know, finding something that expresses you and being able to wear that. That's a very universal experience. The Her desire to be intelligent and very strong academically, the desire to have friends, the desire to be beautiful, you know. Even if 
in any other book, it could be presented as this shallow idea that she eventually grows out of, but she doesn't. She's insecure. She's she's very complex. She knows that beauty isn't everything, but it doesn't stop her from wanting it. And I think that's kind of a very powerful idea for a lot of girls that I think they have to be able to come to terms with the fact that it's okay to be insecure as well you know Anne is definitely one of those characters who lets you be imperfect because she is absolutely imperfect she's bright and bubbly but she's also angry and upset and she's you know she's impulsive and impetuous and I like how conflicting her character is she loves dreaming. She wanted to sleep in a guest room because she thought that was like a extreme privilege that a person could have. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Star and I continue our discussion in the next episode. And I hope to see you then. Take care and make good choices. Bye. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply.